It's a, uh, a blessing that the preachers have that, that you don't get to experience. When we're studying for a topic and then a song comes up that's related, it, it hits you pretty hard. I, I got some goosebumps in that song we just sang, and I didn't tell Wesley to pick that song. That was the Lord's doing in that. Have you ever had a weakness that you wanted to get rid of? Have you had a physical ailment that you thought was hindering your work for God? Have you had a thorn in your flesh, as Paul would say, that if only it would go, you could serve God better? If only it wasn't there, if only it wasn't for that, you could do what God would have you to do. I was there at one point, back, seems like a, not that long ago, but it was nine years ago, I think, where my back first really started going out. And I just remember when I couldn't walk and I couldn't move, just praying, God, remove this pain. Move this away from me. But as I saw and as Paul saw, God was made strong in my inability and in my weakness. Because it was at that time that I learned to lean the most upon my Savior that I learned to that I learned to love him more that I saw him in my heart and I felt his strength in me and that's what our brother the apostle Paul describes for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, that gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. Paul is admitting here that he has been humbled by something that greatly troubled him, as he describes it as a thorn in the flesh. And Paul may not have first seen this thorn as a gift, but at the end of his prayer to God, he sees it as a blessing from the Lord. Because what had just happened to Paul beforehand, why he's getting here, is in the beginning of that chapter, he describes an enormous event that he was transcended, whether bodily he knows not, or whether just in his mind he knows not, into the third heavens, into the paradise, to see the glories of God. But he doesn't want the people in the church of Corinth to listen to him because of that great vision that he saw. He didn't want them to just think about that vision. 
And he didn't want them to just listen to him because God had blessed him with such a vision. He wanted them to listen to him for the way that he was living and the way that he was preaching. He wanted them to see God in this life here. He wanted them to hear the words of God for them today. Because Paul had a blessing that others didn't, that we're not getting to go be transcended before time to see the glories of God. And so what Paul's proudness may have been or what his boasting may have been to have them listen, God sent him something, a thorn in the flesh. Now I think that it was probably a natural tendency of Paul to be proud in his sin nature. He had the credentials as a Pharisee. He was a smart man. He was a driven man. He was a motivated man. He was a leader. People followed him when he persecuted the church. But when God got a hold of Paul, Paul humbly said, Lord, what would you have me do? But the sin nature and the temptations of Satan and the trials that would beset him and his sinful faults that he may still struggle with don't just go away. So maybe Paul had a problem in having to make sure he didn't boast in certain things. He could have boasted that he was chosen to see the glories of God and you were not. But God sent him a thorn in the flesh. As he says in verse 7, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations." It was a big deal. There was given to me a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh. Now there's disagreement as to what this thorn was. Two men I greatly respect in their opinions is John MacArthur and Charles Spurgeon, and they think exactly opposite on this. MacArthur is determined that it is a spiritual temptation, and Spurgeon is determined that it is a physical uh, pain or malady that he had. There's been theories that it was people that were the thorn in the flesh. Alexander the coppersmith did him much harm. A leader of the synagogue in Corinth could have been the one that was the thorn in his flesh. It could have been his eyesight. It could have been a pain. It could have been his hips didn't work. But through the Holy Spirit's enormous wisdom, we are not told what his thorn in the flesh is. Because all we need to know and what Paul's purpose in saying what his thorn in the flesh is to us through the Holy Spirit is that it bore down hard upon him and it compelled him to fly to Christ. No matter the thorn, whether it's temptations, whether it's emotion, whether it's mental, whether it's a physical thorn, whatever your thorn is, should cause you to flee to the throne room of Christ. And it bore down hard upon Paul. Because he says in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. In his distress, he took himself to the mercy seat. Like Hezekiah did, he laid it before the Lord. 
You know, our affliction, whether mental or physical or emotional, it should drive us to, not from the Lord. Because the truth is, we all have some types of thorn in the flesh. Whether it is a temptation, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's emotion, whether it's mental. But when it flares up, that thorn in the flesh, and you feel it bearing down hard on you, and you feel the pain that it causes you in your soul or in your body, it should drive you to God not from Him. It should make us do as Paul did and beseech the Lord to cry out to Him in great need that God, I need You. In my affliction, I need You, Lord. Paul did this thrice. Three times. And I believe it was specifically after the example of our Lord in Gethsemane where He besought the Lord thrice that the cup would pass from Him. What Paul did is he sought refuge in God in his time of affliction. Paul felt weak, inadequate because of the thorn. And he thought, Lord, if You would take it away from me, I could be of better service to You. Lord, if You could remove it from me, the things I could do for Your kingdom, Lord, take it away so that I can serve You. I don't think Paul had a selfish interest in asking for this thorn to be removed. I think he genuinely wanted it to be gone so he could better serve God. So he sought refuge in his Lord in prayer. And he prayed with persistence. Brothers and sisters, pray with persistence to God. Don't be afraid to go to His throne room and ask and ask and ask and ask again until you receive an answer. God's ears are not closed to you. God's ears are not shut to His people. He hears you because He loves you. And just because He has not answered you yet does not mean that He is not hearing your cries. Go with persistence to the throne room. Go with persistence to our Savior. Be earnest in your prayer. Be earnest in what you are seeking. Paul also, in his persistence and in his prayer and in his dedication to asking God over and over and over, Paul did not come to complain to God. Paul came to commune with his Savior. He came to petition, to plead. God is a merciful God, God hears the pleas of his people. He loves His people. And He wants what is best for you. But it may not be to remove your thorn. It may be to keep it with you because He loves you. Because He knows what you need. Greater than we 
know our need. As we heard in the prayer this morning from Brother Jonathan, He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you need. But Paul came to commune with his Savior. He came to petition, to pray, not to complain and gripe. Because Paul knew that when the Lord answered him, it would be good. But Paul prayed until he was answered. Brothers and sisters, you may not receive your answer for 20 years, 30 years. I don't know what it is. But keep praying and petitioning to your Savior until He answers you. Prayer really is the emptying out of our inmost feelings to our Savior. It's telling Him your thoughts, your fears. It's giving Him all of your concerns. Say, Lord, I am needy. I am weak. I am conflicted. I am torn. I am afflicted. I'm struggling. I don't like the thorn, Lord. I hate it. It hurts. I'm struggling with it. But Lord, You know what I need. It's opening yourself to God to tell Him your needs, your desires, your heart. But Paul wasn't asking in an earthly desire for a selfish reason. He was genuinely asking the Lord to help him to be better in His kingdom. And he prayed specifically for it. He said, I prayed thrice for this thing. Again, the Holy Spirit's wisdom. It did not tell us what His affliction was. But he prayed specifically for this thing. I don't know whose quote this is, but it's not mine. It says, some pray for everything in general and therefore get nothing in particular. Pray specifically to God. Tell Him your need at that hour. God, I'm struggling with greed right now. Help me to be content. Lord, I'm struggling with the lust of my eyes. Help me to love only You. Lord, I am in pain physically. And I'm asking for relief. Be specific in your cries to the Lord. You know, if anything is large enough to concern you, to keep you awake, to keep your mind captive, it's not too small to be spoken about to your Savior. Your concerns concern Him. He sees your every need. And He cares. Because He cares for you individually. Everything about you He cares for. Even your physical pain. He knows. He understands. He's been there. He is sympathetic to you. But He may not take your thorn. Even though as a father's heart would break to see their child in pain. But know that that's the need. 
Our Father doesn't want you to hurt. He doesn't love to see you in agony. But He knows what you need to walk closer to Him. He knows what you need to be powerful in His kingdom. He knows what you need to be a godly man, a godly woman, a godly child. He knows what you need. Anything is a blessing that makes us pray, says Charles Spurgeon. If it draws you to the if it drives you to the throne room of Christ, it is a blessing for you. Financial struggles, physical struggles, emotional struggles, they're driving you back to the throne room. Go quickly. Hastily run to the throne and bow down and say, Lord, I have a need and only You, only You can fulfill my need, Lord. I bring it to You. As I said a while ago, Hezekiah laid the need before the Lord. Lord, here it is before Your throne. Answer it in Your wisdom, Lord, but here is my need. As Paul did. And Paul prayed thrice. And the Lord answered his prayer. You know, I don't think, I do think that if God had not answered Paul after the third time, you know what I think Paul would have done? He would have prayed a fourth time, and a fifth time, and a sixth time, and a seventh time, and as long as it needed. But God was merciful to Paul in that he answered him. You know, Paul sees this thorn, and then the Lord answers his need of his prayer to remove this thorn and Paul realizes something that he did not have in mind when he went to the throne room of Christ. He went to have the thorn removed and he realized by the wisdom of our Almighty God his inefficiency and his need and that the only source of sufficiency for Paul was God's grace. You know, Paul in his proudness or his tendencies to be proud, he could have even been frustrated because it says that the messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. You know, this thorn was a gift. I was given a thorn. In the same manner that Job was allowed to be under the trials that he faced, God allowed a thorn to inflict Paul's flesh. God was not the source of the thorn, but He allowed it to happen. And He allowed a messenger of Satan to buffet Paul. Buffet means to just beat repeatedly. It was a continual nuisance, a continual pain, a continual suffering, not to his death, but a continual buffeting over and over and over. And you know, it was a messenger of Satan and not Satan himself. Maybe that was to keep Paul humble too. You know, I am the great Apostle Paul. I was lifted up to see the third heaven in paradise. If anyone's going to attack me, it should be Satan himself. But Satan sent an errand boy. The messenger literally means angel. An angel of Satan. Not even Satan himself. A nuisance to Paul uh, to buffet him over and over and over 
and over. And he's saying, Lord, it's distracting the growth of your kingdom. It's keeping me from being all that I can be for you. Take it away. And God answers him in verse 9 and he says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is. My. It is the grace of God Himself upon Paul. It's not the help or the mercy of others. It's the grace of God Himself. My grace, Paul. My grace is all that you need. It is all sufficient. It fulfills your every need. Not all your desires, Paul, but my grace fulfills all of your need. My grace. And it's the grace of God upon him. It's the divine influence on his heart. It's the reflection of God in Paul's life. It's the lifting up of Paul to be able to walk through the trials and the troubles and the temptations that he faces. My grace, Paul, it's a mercy for you. It is mine. And I am giving you all of it to sustain you, to hold you up, to help you through the trials. But what is so beautiful about this? He says, my grace is. It is now, Paul. My grace is right now sufficient for you. It's the opening of our eyes to see that he already has. Paul already has all that he needs. He doesn't need the thorn removed to be great in God's kingdom. He already has everything he needs to work for the Lord. It is the sufficient grace of God. God didn't say, I will give you the grace, Paul. He says, I have given it to you now. It is sufficient right now in your very hour of need. Not that you will walk away and I will bless you with it later, Paul. You have it now. My grace right now is sufficient for you. He's telling you, Paul... I'm already carrying you. You think you're carrying the burden of this thorn through this life and you just need it to be taken away so that you can do something for me. Paul, I'm already carrying you. Because my grace is the only thing you need to preach for me. My grace is the only thing that you need to live for me. I am already carrying you now, Paul. You know, many of us are carrying a heavy weight, heavy burdens in our life, an incurable sorrow, an incurable disease that you know you will never get rid of. Or perhaps you're dragging behind you the shipwreck of a life that you've led. And you know that some of it may torment you to the grave. We're carrying burdens, we need healing. We're bogged down. We're dragged down. We feel them as heavy, as hard, as hurting. 
But he's telling you now as he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For your incurable disease, all you need is my grace to carry you through to the end. For the sorrow you carry, my grace is sufficient. It is all you need. Because in this earth you will have sorrow. There will be death. There will be loss. There will be grief. It does not cease. But my grace is sufficient for you now. As it was for Paul. You've made shipwreck of your life. You have to carry burdens around. Consequences of your past life. My grace is sufficient to carry you through faithfully to the end. I have given you all that is required of you to follow me. And it is my grace. Don't follow me in your strength. Paul, don't preach in your own strength. Paul, don't preach because of the great things that I have shown you. Preach because of me. Because I am all you need, Paul. I am all the strength you will ever need. Because the weaker you are, the more God is seen. I am all you need, Paul. And God is all you need today. In 2022, His grace is sufficient for you to fulfill all of your needs, to carry you through all of the struggles. And what you already have in your possession is enough for everything that will come storming against you in this life. No matter the disease, no matter the disappointment, no matter the loss, no matter the misery, His grace is sufficient for all the storms of life that will come. For all the burdens and all the thorns in the flesh that you see is holding you back as a hindrance, as a pain, as a buffeting continual, His grace is sufficient for all of them. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In your weakness, His strength is made perfect. You know, you have to have a consciousness of your weakness. You need to be aware that we are weak. And that's what Paul did when the Lord answered him. Paul saw his weakness. His eyes were fully open to it. It is no longer just a thorn in the flesh to him. It is a weakness that he cannot carry without Christ. God loves to work in your weakness. Because it shows that it is He that carries you. And it shows that it is His strength and His grace and His mercy that you walk through this life faithfully to the end. A conscious weakness must have passed into a conscious dependence on Christ. When you are aware that you are weak, you are aware that you must depend on something else for strength. And if you do not see yourself as weak, then you are not aware of your need of God. The only true source of power 
both for your Christian walk, for your worldly walk, for every walk that you would do. The only source of your true power there is God Himself. Strength desires only because it's derived from Him. It's not yours by nature. It's not yours because you walked good enough or because you were spiritually strong enough. Your strength is derived from Him. And the only way that faith in Jesus Christ can ever be kindled in our souls is if we see our need of Him and our emptiness without Him. That He is all I need. Not just a need. He is my need. All I need is Christ. All I need is Him. He can't feel part of my emptiness. He overflows what was once empty. He is more than enough to fill the void. To fill my every need. So when we know that we are weak, then we've taken the first step to strength. Just as when we know ourselves as sinners, we have taken the first step to righteousness. Because we know our need, our depraved state before a righteous and holy God. And it has always been His strength through every aspect of our walk. He's not saying, Paul, I will now be your strength. Now that you have cried to me, I am your strength. He's saying, Paul, I've always been your strength. From the time I knocked you down on the road to Gethsemane, on the road... I can't even remember the name of the road at the moment. I knocked you down on the road, Damascus. I blinded you. And I picked you up. And I showed you Jesus. I am still that same strength for you, Paul. And the same strength that I knocked you down. And I opened your blind eyes to see me. I am still carrying you in that same strength, Paul. I never left you. I've never forsaken you. I have always been your strength. And I have never let you go, Paul. I am still now, as I was then, all that you ever need. Because Romans 5, chapter 6 tells us, while we were helpless, weak, Without strength, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He did not come to save the strong or to heal the well. He came for you, the sick, the despised, the rejected, the needy. He came for us when we had nothing to give Him. Nothing. He knew that you couldn't change your own heart in the same way that He knows you can't change your nature, in the same way that He knows you can't carry yourself through the storms. He knows us more than we know ourselves. But He also knew that He could. He could carry you. He could awaken you. He could show you your need of Him. And He could carry you and be your strength. The more we try to go in our own strength, the more we are going to realize just how weak 
and needy we are. But when we acknowledge Him, and when we accept that we are weak and needy, and we lean fully on Him, then we become strong. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because it is nothing of us and all of Him. And then he says later on in verse 9, he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's the same word as tabernacle, to tent over Him, that God would encompass Him, that He would be under the banner of God in His weakness and in God's strength. He is under the protective wings of His Savior and He is safely under the shelter of His Lord. And that gives Him glory. Glory in His infirmities. Paul prayed for its removal. But as soon as he learned that its continuance in Him was a condition of receiving the resting power of God upon Him and the strength of God, He not only accepted it, but He gloried in the presence of the thorn. He didn't just say, well, I'm going to accept this and move on. He praised God for His thorn that He had once asked God to remove. He gloried in it. He says, most gladly, most Gladly, it is with great pleasure, Lord, that I take this thorn. With great pleasure and joy to take this affliction and serve you. Paul's taking pleasure now in this thorn, even though his prayer was not answered the way that he thought it should be. He received something far more valuable than he could have ever, ever imagined. Grace. He was given grace to bear the weight of whatever this infirmity was. And now this grace in verse 10 is what enables him to rejoice even in the thorn. Now instead of wanting it gone, he's glad he has it. It brings him joy to know that it brought him closer to God. That He has the power of God resting upon Him and that God is made much of and not Paul. And that brings Him great joy. Now He has joy and pleasure. Pleasure in infirmities. Pleasure in reproaches. Pleasure in necessities. Pleasure in persecution. Pleasure in distresses. distresses. For Christ's sake. He's glad he's feeble and frail. He joys in it. He is happy that he is insulted for the name of God. It brings him much joy. He takes pleasure in the distresses that are brought about by the circumstances he faces. It brings him much joy. He takes joy 
in being persecuted for the sake of Christ. Joy in persecution, Paul? Are you going to go that far? Yes, gladly with much pleasure would I be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Gladly would I joy in my distresses, the calamities, the extreme afflictions. And there was story after story of the afflictions of Paul. And it brings him joy. Joy to know that God has allowed him and his thorny flesh to suffer for the Savior. And it brings him so much more joy than the removal of a thorn ever could have done. Because it is for Christ's sake that he suffers now. And he realizes this thorn in his flesh is for Christ. It is because of the thorn that the kingdom can flourish. It is because of the thorn that his ministry can flourish. And he takes great joy in it. Here is a lesson for all of us in closing that stand under the shadow of an almighty God that see our need of Him who gladly would have His tent rest upon us that His grace is all you need. His grace will supply all of your needs. That same loving God who opened your eyes still carries you today and He is all you need. And here is a lesson for those of you who stand apart from the Almighty God. Who do not have your hearts turned to Him. Whether you know it or not, you are a broken reed. You are needy. You are desperate in your state. You are doomed for eternal destruction as you are. But until you recognize your sinfulness, until you see your need of a Savior, your absolute poverty without Him, your complete emptiness without Him, then you, I pray, will always be miserable without Him. Because in Him is true joy. And in Him in Him is all you need. If you do not know the Lord today, cry out to Him and say, because I am weak, Lord Jesus, be my strength. See your need of Him. And find joy and strength. Let's pray. God, we...